you have your Bibles or your phone or your tablet, however you look it up, if you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. Sorry, I'm getting old. I'm having to get the glasses out so I can read this stuff now. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. What you have heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for this day as we come together to, to worship you. We come together to baptize these three. And God, we come together to hear from you today. And I pray for an anointing, Father, to preach your word right now. God, I want it to be you, not me. I want it to be your words that come forward. Because I believe your word is life-changing. Your word is comes into our lives, and it makes a difference. And I pray for your word to come forth this morning, and it would be a word that would change our lives in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you, as we get ready for baptisms today, remember the day you were baptized? You remember that? Several of us, amen? You remember the day that you were baptized? I was six years old when I was baptized. That was just about 20 years or so ago. Some of you got that. I was six years old at Barincan Baptist Church in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico. My dad was stationed there in the military. We lived there, and, and at this little Baptist church there, they had, we had a series of revival meetings through, through uh, about two weeks there. And I remember the evangelist getting up and speaking, and, and the one thing that made sense, I didn't, I didn't understand everything about God yet. But the one thing that he said that sunk into me is that there was a heaven and there was a hell. And that my sin would condemn me to hell. But God didn't want me to go to hell, so Jesus came and died on the cross for my sins. And the message was that simple for me that night. And I walked down that aisle of that church and I prayed with my pastor and I asked Jesus to come into my life and be my Savior and forgive me of my sins. And the next Sunday... I remember getting into that baptismal, and I don't know if any of you remember in, the, in some of the churches that it was quite common in churches to have in the baptismal, but there was a, a big picture of, of a river there, the Jordan River flowing through there. And a lot, of bab, a lot of baptismals had a picture of the Jordan River flowing through there because Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. And I still remember the picture of that Jordan River and that baptismal that morning, that morning when I was baptized. And man, it was a great day for me because the church celebrated with me and they were excited. And I remember so many people coming up and telling me how thrilled they were for me that I had made that decision to follow Christ. And, and it was a life-changing day for me. And, and, and I remember that. And for the next nine years of my life, I remember going to church and, and praying and reading my Bible and, and, and being involved and going to Sunday school and learning all the things I needed to learn. And, and man, I was growing in God and things were going great for me. And then junior high, just summer between junior high and high school, something happened. I started hanging out with some people that I had no business hanging out with. Started hanging out with some people that had no, no idea of who God was or no care or concern who God was. Started getting high that summer with them. And suddenly I found myself in a place where I really didn't care 
if I went to church. My parents were still saying, hey, you need to go to church with us. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go, but I don't want to be there. And I found myself in a place where I was in this dark place and doing things that I knew weren't good. And I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. Wished I could tell you that my story was unusual. But I've seen it so many times. And it even happened in the Bible times because Paul, speaking to the Galatians, said, hey man, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? And I've seen so many times in people's lives where we start out strong, man, and we get, we, we get saved and we come to Christ and we're baptized and we're starting to live for God and something cuts in on us. Now, for some of you, you don't understand that story. Man, you've stayed strong from the day you were saved. Praise God, man. That's God's plan. <laughs> and I'm so happy for you. Man, I wish I had, that was my story. I'd rather have your testimony than mine. Honestly, I'd rather have that. But I've seen it so many times where something cuts in on us. And in our passage today, Paul is speaking to a young man by the name of Timothy. Timothy is a, is a, a young man that Paul has described him sometimes as his son in the faith. He had raised him up. He had, he, he, Timothy's grandma had gotten saved. Timothy's mom had gotten saved. Timothy had gotten saved. And, and Paul had raised him up into ministry to do things. And, and the letters to First and Second Timothy, Paul is speaking to Timothy and giving him advice for life. And, and in this passage, he's giving him some advice, and he says to him, what you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He tells him to guard that deposit. He did not want Timothy to have the testimony that I fell away from God and had to come back. He wanted Timothy to guard that good deposit, which is the message of the kingdom of God, and to guard that in his life and to hold on to that. And so this morning, I want to spend just a, a few moments, and I want to, to, to give you from this passage three things that I think we need in our lives to stay strong in our relationship with God and to not fall away, that we might be able to continue and be everything that God has called us to be. Amen? So the first thing that I believe God, that, that, that Paul is saying here, he says, we need a pattern of sound teaching. We need a pattern of sound teaching in our lives. We need to learn the tenets of our faith. We need a pattern of teaching, not just every now and again. Now, if you were to ask me to describe what kind of a Christian I am, if you were to say, what, what is your background in church, Mark? I would probably describe myself as a Baptocostal. Anybody know what that term is? I grew up in Southern Baptist churches. Grew up in Southern Baptist churches all, all around the country and around the world. My, my dad was in the military, and we traveled. And I grew up in Southern Baptist churches and, and until I was about 23 years old. And then we were stationed in Athens, Greece, and we began going to a Christian servicemen's center there. And, and uh, the Christian servicemen's center is an outreach that was started by the denomination that we're part of, the Church of God here. And, and we got involved there, and, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and became a Pentecostal. So I describe myself a lot as a Baptocostal. 
Because I hold on to a lot to those roots because, you know, I grew, I'm thankful for my, my raising that I got because the Southern Baptist churches that I grew up in, man, they were good at getting me solid in the tenets of my faith. They taught me to read my Bible. They taught me to pray. They taught me the importance of going to church. They taught me all the, the great Bible stories, man. I mean, any of you ever practiced being David in your backyard as a kid? Slinging a stone, killing giants, man. That was pretty cool stuff when I was a kid. That was the superheroes that I grew up on, and I thought that was pretty awesome to be somebody like David that could kill a giant, man, with just a rock and a sling. And I, and I grew up knowing the Bible stories, and, and, and I grew up, they taught me the importance. I remember, and, and anybody here grow up Baptist, and you know what Royal Ambassadors is? Anybody know what Royal Ambassadors is? RAs was, was for boys, at, at, at young boys in my age. And I remember my RAs instructor and the guy that taught our RAs, Harold Brown was his name. I can't wait. I'm sure Harold has gone on to be with Jesus now. But when I get to heaven, he's one of those guys I want to see. Because Harold Brown was the first guy that taught me to memorize Scripture taught me the importance of memorizing Scripture and, and having something that was written on my heart that I could come back to. And I was so thankful for what he taught me and the things that he taught me to memorize the, the Word of God. And, and so I learned all that stuff, and I, I, I set that good foundation in, and I had that foundation in me. And then when we, and they taught me the things about, one of the big things that I still remember to this day was the importance of the Great Commission, Man, when Jesus told us to go forth into all the nations and tell them about Christ, that was a big thing in the churches I grew up in. And, and I remember that being so important. And they taught me John 3.16 and the Romans Road. Some of you learned Romans Road, did you? Anybody here? A couple of you. Okay. They taught me the importance of these scriptures. If you haven't, man, you can take the Romans Road and you can lead somebody to Jesus walking them right through the scriptures from Romans. It's awesome. It's amazing. And, uh, and so I learned all these things. And then at 23, I was stationed in Athens, Greece, and we began going to a Christian serviceman center there, and, and I walked in, and, and I remember I had been taught some different things about the Holy Spirit, and I remember kneeling in an altar one night, and I said, God, I don't know if this is true or not, but if it is true, and what stuck out to me was the words of Acts 1 and 8, where Jesus said, but you will receive power, and you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. I prayed that night. I knelt down on that altar. I said, God, if this is true, and it will give me more power to be a witness for you, then God, I want it. And man, that night, God filled me with his spirit. And life changed for me forevermore in being, in being able to, I felt like, man, a strength and a power to tell people about Jesus like I had never known before. And I say all that to tell you this, that I want you to be purposeful. The people that were around me were purposeful and taught me to be purposeful about getting to know the tenets of my faith. And here's how you get to know what you believe. Hold on, this is really deep and really, really complicated. It's reading the Word of God. And I don't mean just opening up your Bible and, and pointing your finger and hoping you come to a, a scripture that'll tell you something. You might come to something really terrible, to be honest with you, if you just take the Word of God out of context. But I'm talking about taking the Word of God out every day in a purposeful time of reading and understanding the Word of God. I believe the Word of God was written by holy men of old. As the Bible is clear, it was written by holy men of old as God's moved on them, and, they, and God breathed His Word into them. And it was meant for all of us to be able to read it and understand it. 
You don't need a pastor. I'm thankful for our pastor, and I'm thankful. Man, pa- Pastor Brian's a good preacher. I love sitting under his preaching. I love listening to him. I, I went to a church one time, and there was a, a guy in our church, and, and I went to this church for a couple of years, and this guy used to always say when the pastor was preaching, he said, that's good groceries, pastor. And man, when Pastor Brian is preaching, I, I want to say, that's good groceries, pastor. He, he's a good preacher. But you don't need to have just Pastor Brian. He'll tell you, I hope that the only time you get the Word of God is not on Sundays when he's preaching. He, wants, he, he would 100% agree with me. I hope that you're reading the Word of God every day in your life. The, the, as he says, we need a pattern of teaching. We need a pattern of sound teaching. And that pattern means that we're getting into God's Word every day, and we're reading God's Word. We're paying attention to it. Reading the Bible through, whether you read it through in a year, whether you read it through in two years or three years, but reading the Bible through so that you get it and you understand it. There's a pattern of teaching that comes as you continually read through the Word of God, and God will speak to you, and He will change your life. And I want to encourage you today that we get a pattern of sound teaching in our life, And then when we have that pattern and we're doing that, we need to hold on to the tenets of our faith and not be moved. Isn't it great to live in a country where everybody believes the Word of God and everybody is faithful to it and everybody agrees with it wholeheartedly and the Word of God and those who believe in it are never under attack? Isn't that awesome? Why are you shaking your heads no? Man, we live in a day and an age where everything is challenged, not just the Word of God. The Word of God is challenged on a regular basis, but everything is challenged. Authority is challenged at every turn, amen? But the Word of God has come under attack in so many ways in the society in which we live, where you're told if you are a believer in the Word of God and you believe in the Bible that you're a hater, that you're... all these negative things are said and, and, and told that you're, you're labeled as small-minded, backwards, old-fashioned, haters. You're labeled in all these ways if you believe in the Word of God. I want to tell you, we don't need to be ugly towards those who don't believe, but let me be very clear. They will try to move you away from holding fast to what the Word of God says. And a spiritual train wreck begins with small compromises of belief in God's Word. Let me say that again. A spiritual train wreck begins with small compromises about what we believe in God's Word. I believe all of God's Word. I believe it with everything in me. And I will not compromise, but I want to hold on. I've had that sound teaching, and I want to hold on to that because a spiritual train wreck begins with those small compromises. And we need to hold on to what God has spoken to us as he's revealed himself in his word. Because his word is his revelation of himself to us that we might understand who he is and what he has to say for our lives and where we need to go in our lives. And we don't want to compromise what God is saying to us, regardless of what people are saying on Facebook, regardless of what anybody's saying in our society, we need to hold on to God's Word and stay true to it. Amen? But it's not just about knowledge. It's not just academic. The heart also plays a role. Paul says we need to continue in faith and love in Christ Jesus. In faith and love in Christ Jesus. The word faith here has two ideas at its heart. The first is an idea of loyalty. Now, I don't know where you're from, but I'm a Western man. I've lived out, other than living overseas in the military, I've lived out West all of my life in the U.S. 
I lived in Colorado and Arizona and Utah, lived in, in North Dakota, and, and I'm a Western man. And I like things of the West. If you're from the South, God bless you, good on you, that's good. I'm glad you, have the, you like the things of the South, but I like the things of the West. I hear people from the South come out here and they're like, things are so far away. And I'm like, yes, they are. Praise God for that. I like some space, man. I like the West. I'm also a big fan of Western writers. I, I, if, I don't know if anybody else has ever read any Louis L'Amour. I'm a big Louis L'Amour fan. <laughs> I've read, read almost every one of his books. I've got a list. My wife will tell you I've got a list in my wallet of, of all the books I've read, and uh, there's about 10 of them I still have left to read. And Louis L'Amour uses a term in a lot, several of his books, and it's a cowboy term that comes back, comes from, and still today cowboys will use the term, and he uses the term writing for the brand. And if you've never heard that term, writing for the brand is a term of loyalty. If you were a cowboy in the old west days, if you, you, if you rode for the 4T ranch, then you rode a 4T horse. You lived in the 4T bunkhouse. You ate 4T beef, man, for every meal. You, the, the, the ranch provided for you. If, if the foreman of the 4T ranch said to do something, you did it because that was your ranch. That was who you were loyal to. Loyal to. You rode for the brand. If, some, if somebody spoke bad about the 4T, you got up and punched them in the mouth, man. It, it was a, there was a loyalty to that brand. If, if somebody else, if a cowboy from the 4T, somebody attacked them, you had their back, man. That, that ranch was, was everything to you. You were loyal to that ranch because it was providing your living and providing what you needed. Now, I'm certainly not advocating punching someone in the mouth for talking bad about Jesus. I need to stop and make, put that disclaimer in there real quick. But I am talking about the kind of loyalty, writing for the brand for Jesus, about the kind of loyalty that comes from remembering that Jesus is our everything. It's that kind of loyalty that is born from the fact that I know that I was a sinner and that Jesus came to this earth and lived on this earth for some 33 years, was tempted and tried in every way. He left heaven, left glory to come here to be tempted and tried in every way and died a terrible death on the cross for my sins. And it's a loyalty that's born out of the knowledge of that that says, man, I owe him something. He's given me a brand new life through forgiveness of sins. He's wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life that someday I'll be in heaven for all of the rest of eternity. He's given me a life on this earth that's better than any life I could have ever imagined for myself. And I owe him something. And there's a loyalty in me that wants to stick closer to Jesus than I've ever stuck to anybody in my life. You see, Jesus has been good to us, man. God has been good to us. And it ought to build some kind of a loyalty. Some kind of a loyalty that says, man, I'm going to stick close to God and I'm going to be loyal to Him. I'm going to be loyal no matter what comes my, play, my way. But faith also has the idea of hope. Faith also has a great idea of hope. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How does this play out in our lives? I believe that faith is a perspective for you and I. You know, you can walk in faith, or you can walk in fear. It's our choice, amen? It's a choice for us. We can walk in faith, or we can walk in fear. You can walk in faith, or you can walk around like Eeyore. 
Some of you, that was too close for home. You can walk in faith, or you can walk in confusion. You can walk in faith, or you can walk in hopelessness. But Jesus Christ told us that in this world we will have troubles, but take heart because he has overcome the world. And I am taking heart today that when the storms of life rage against me, I have a faith that brings me hope, that gives me a hope that I know that God will bring me through in the midst of the storms. Man, we've been in some storms lately, amen? As a world, as a nation, we've been through some st- in some storms right now, and we're still in those storms. But I believe that the, sto- the battle and the storms of life that are going to come, that if we're going to overcome, then we need to stay strong in our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about fixing our system, but it's about staying strong in Jesus. Amen. Man. You know what? I pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth every day. And I pray for God to, to the, the purposes of God to advance in our world. I, I don't care who's sitting in the White House, who's sitting in the governor's mansion. I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is I want to see the purposes of God carried out, that men and women might come to the same knowledge of Jesus that we've come to. I want men and women to know that God forgives. I want men and women to know that they might spend eternity in heaven because it's not just about who's going to, who's going, what terrorist agency is going on, what president is up there, but it's about eternity for men and women's lives. And I want them to know Jesus, amen? And in the storms that we're going through, I have a hope that I hold on to, and that is my faith in Jesus Christ. If I didn't have that, I'd lose my mind today. Amen? But I have a faith and a hope in Jesus Christ that holds me tight, and I hang on to that when the storms of life come. Amen? I will overcome by the power of the blood of the Lamb and the power of my testimony. I have a hope in Jesus Christ. Now that we have knowledge and our heart is in it, we also need to take action. I love when Paul tells, tells Timothy to guard the good deposit which has been placed in you. I love those words. Now, if you have known me for probably more than five minutes, you'll know one thing about me. A very, very important thing about me. I'm a grandpa. I don't mind telling you about them two little boys. They're four and two. Jack's four and Kate is two. Them two little boys have my heart, man. Them little boys get me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just last weekend I was with them, and I just love hanging out with them little boys. They tickle my heart. I love it. Jack is four. And he's getting ready to start preschool. I was talking with my daughter-in-law. Her name's Jen. Jen's a, man, my, my son married a good one. She's a sharp young lady. Loves God with all of her heart, man. She's, she's very purposeful in, in her faith and what she does to serve God. I'm very thankful for her being in our lives and being in our family. And I was sitting down talking with her a couple months ago, and she said, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading and thinking about Kate, or about Jack starting school, and, and she said, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and, I, and, and I've understood in, as in all the reading and all the look, everything I've looked at that a lot of a child's attitudes towards learning 
A lot of their morals, a lot of their values are formed at these very young ages when they initially start school. And, and if it goes well and they're taught the right things in the right ways, they, they, they get a thirst and a hunger for learning, and, 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 they, and they do that. But if it doesn't, sometimes it can really damage them for learning in the future. And then she showed me her heart. She said, but I'm not really willing to give that up to somebody else right now. So her and my son have made a decision that they're going to, she's cutting back her hours at work. And she's going to homeschool Jack for this year of preschool, because, not because she thinks teachers are bad or schools are bad or anything like that, but she wants to guard that little dude's heart. She wants to guard his mind. She wants to be the influencer that puts the things, sows the things of God into him that he needs to have sown into him. She wants to sow into him, and she knows how, how he learns best. She watches him, and she sees, and she'll tell you. She can tell you which one of those, how each of those boys learns best, and she, she wants to sow into him. She wants to guard his heart. She wants to make sure that that little boy, that his heart and his mind is taken care of. And that's the picture I get when Paul says to guard the deposit that's put inside of you. Not, I, I, you know, I'm, I, sometimes we come into the warrior thing and I, I, we want to put a guard up, but I, I see that guard where that heart is, the deposit that God put in me so, is so special, so important that I want to guard it. I want to take care of it. I want to make sure that it's fed and it's watered and it's taken care of. And I want to guard that deposit. And in the amplified version of the Bible, this is how that verse reads. It says, guard with greatest care. Anybody get that? Guard with greatest care and keep unchanged the treasure, that precious truth which has been entrusted to you, that is the good news about salvation through personal faith in Christ Jesus through the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Guard with greatest care. Man, can I ask you this morning? Do you guard your salvation with the greatest care? Or is it just another part of you that you can take it or leave it? As time goes. Do you guard this deposit of salvation, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in you with greatest care? Is that the most important thing to you? Or is it the only day it really matters on Sunday? Or maybe when you see a, a post that you want to reshare on Facebook. Do we guard this thing? Is this something that is so important to us, just like little Jack is to his mom, is it so important to us that we guard it and we say, I am going to make sure that this is the first priority of my life. And I'm not going to let anything come into my life that pulls me away from God. I'm not going to let anything take me to a place where I'm, I'm thinking maybe, maybe I don't need God as much as I, uh, as much as I do. Do I guard this thing do you see the good news about salvation as the most precious truth in your life above all others? Does the good news of your salvation and the implications of what Christ did for you influence your decisions and how we live our life? Because if we don't, then I think we set ourselves up 
for being in that place where we start offering little compromises in our life. And those little compromises will lead to that train wreck of faith. Paul tells Timothy to guard that good deposit, man. You know, somebody went to the bank and they deposited a million dollars for you. Would you just give everybody in the world the PIN number to your account? You wouldn't, would you? Some of you are saying, I wouldn't even give that to my husband. <laughs> you would guard it because it was a deposit put in there on your, your, your behalf. God has put a deposit of salvation in us. And I want to encourage you to guard that deposit because, man, it is the most special, precious thing that's ever been given to you your salvation in Christ Jesus. I'd be remiss this morning if I didn't tell you one last thing. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I'm that person. I'm where you were when you were a teenager. I came to Christ and I started out strong and something cut in on me. And I'm sitting here today, and the words that you're saying are, are hitting home with me, but I don't know what to do next. 20 years old after walking away from God for about six years of my life, God, miraculous, there's no other way I can put it, walked me through a series of steps that found me on a Sunday night in the altar in a church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Of all places. Crying out to God. God, I don't know if you can forgive this kid that knew about you and walked away from you. But if you can, I'm asking you tonight to forgive me and take me back. You know what I was reminded of that night? I told you I went to Sunday school and they taught me all the great stories of the Bible. And I was reminded that night as I knelt in that altar and prayed of the story that we talked about, and some of you have heard it, of the prodigal son. There's a boy that went to his dad and said, Dad, I want my inheritance. I want it now. His dad gave the boy his inheritance, and the boy went off to the big city. And he spent his inheritance on wine, women, and song. Blew it all. Found himself slopping pigs. His dad was the big rancher outside of town. And this boy was in town slopping pigs. Finally, he come to his senses and said, I'm going to go home and see if dad will take me back. Maybe dad will let me be a servant of his. And the Bible says that the father saw the son coming down the road. What that tells me is that the father was looking for that boy. That boy that was lost. That boy that had went astray. The father was looking and watching for that boy to come home. When that boy came home, the father threw a feast, had a celebration because his son came home. And as I knelt in that Baptist church, in the altar of that church in Las Vegas, Nevada, that story came back to me. 
And I said, God, would you take me back? And God reminded me of that story. And he said, I'll take you back, Mark. I've been waiting and watching for you to come back. And somebody is sitting here this morning, and God is saying to you this morning, I've been waiting and watching for you to come back. I've been waiting and watching for you. And you're thinking about it. You're wondering, can I really come back to God today? I want to tell you, it wasn't God's plan for me to walk away from God. And it may not have been, and it wasn't God's plan for you to walk away from God. But I'm telling you this morning, it is God's plan that when we have walked away and we turn back to Him and we repent of our sins and ask Him to forgive us of our sins, He will take us back. Woo! Not only does he take us back, but man, he restores thing that, things that we could never restore. And he begins to pour into us and sow into us and to restore us back to that place and that position of being a son of the Most High God. Wow, what a position, amen? What a position to be a son of the Most High God. Would the band come at this time? I need to tell you this morning that Jesus died on the cross, that we could be forgiven, but that we could also live an overcoming life. And so Paul tells his young apprentice, Timothy, do these things so that you can live that overcoming life. And it's my hope for you today that you will do these things so that you don't have to fall away from God, so that you don't have to move away from God, but that you will constantly move in the direction that God wants you to move. But if you're here today, and maybe you have fallen away from God, man, I'm telling you, God is a God of redemption. He will take you back. He will set you back on a right foot, right path, and he will do wonderful things in you if you'll come back to him. Maybe you're here today. You've heard the word of God. And you've never prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. Man, it's as simple as praying and asking Jesus to forgive you. Confessing that Jesus is Lord and asking Jesus to come into your heart to be your Savior. And he will forgive you and he will make your life brand new. My hope is this. That we all grab onto these words that Paul instructed Timothy with. Timothy was going into the fire as a minister. Paul wanted him to know, take these words with you, serve God greatly, and see the hand of God move greatly in your life. And I believe that God wants all of us to take the word of God greatly into our life and to do great things for him and to see the hand of God move and the kingdom of God advanced in our life. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're here this morning and you've never prayed, ask Jesus to come into your life to be your Savior. Or maybe you're needing to ask God to forgive you. And you were saved at one point. You've, you, you came to him, and, and, and yet you walked away from him. You were in a relationship, but you walked away from that relationship. Man, God has been waiting you for you to reenter that relationship. And if you'll pray and ask him to forgive you, he will come in, and, and he will forgive you and restore that relationship that began all that time ago. He will take you back that's you today all you have to do is pray that in a minute the worship team is going to lead us in a song of worship man if you need to make a decision for Jesus just pray that prayer with him 
Pray that prayer and ask him to do that thing in your life. Ask him to do that miraculous thing. And I'm telling you, God will do a miracle in your life. Amen. Oh, you call me out of dark.